I don't know how much value I have in this universe, but I do know that I made a few people happier than they would have been without me. As long as I know that, I'm as rich as I ever need to be. Back for part two. Um, we just had a, a quick break there, didn't we? Uh, so we could have a Sudafed. <laughs> yeah. um, what, what were the odds on you having Sudafed? Yeah, I guess I, I said, do. In this village, you can't buy anything. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's um, yeah. Sudafed. I don't usually carry tablets around me. Not even like paracetamols are out. And just because I had them uh, last week, uh, honestly, I was in so much pain. The front of my forehead was killing me. And I was getting dizzy and I was like... Oh, and I had them in my pocket just by coincidence. <laughs> it's, mad, it's mad though, like music keeps you mentally young. Yeah. But you don't realise your body actually ages. You think you can you think you're young forever. Oh yeah. yeah. And then actually you start getting bloody ailments and all sorts and uh, like that's the worst out of a lot of them sinus pain. It's yeah. like somebody's just like bloody giving you a right up continually. It's bloody horrible. Well, you, you think you're young forever until someone says to you, oh, you play that classic music, don't you? And I'm like, no, no, it's new. It's new. No, but uh, yeah, it was big like when my mum was was, yeah. was was going out. I'm like, yeah, it was. <laughs> right, oh, okay. It always annoys me really when, when somebody says, uh, like comes up to me, DJ Booth, and says, do you know of somebody called Patrick Topping? I'm like, fucking hell. Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? It's yeah. That that really makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, I think that I think I don't like this thing with age and music. I mean, you get tunes that sound old because they were produced on maybe old equipment and stuff. But nowadays, music is at such a level that it it should be timeless. It shouldn't be like right. I I I subscribe to that completely. Yeah. Uh, tick that box. Uh, tick that box. And it's like um, if you think. Bear in mind, like, music years and years and years ago was all, like, guitar-based. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? In the 80s... <coughs> excuse me. In the 80s, um, you would have, say, The Jam, Paul mm -hmm. Weller. And then they carry on listening to Paul Weller, and it doesn't actually age. And it's kind of, like, frowned upon uh, dance music by the, sort of, like, that kind of community. Yeah. But bear in mind, like, house music started initially probably about 84 yeah really uh with um i think the first house music house music record acknowledged is uh, a track called mac on and on which um is a bootleg that frankie knuckles used to play and it's a bootleg of donna summers um that two two beep beep yeah, over yeah, funky yeah. town yeah, by, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's for me, that's the original. That's the first ever house record yeah. in '84. That's what Frankie Knuckles. Uh, I've seen played. that on um, oh, a documentary. Um, is it? This is house music or something? Yeah. Or the, the birth of house or something like yeah. that. And they used to do it on like illegal radio, and uh, they, used, they used to have tunes just for like you'd have to listen to the radio at 7pm on a Tuesday because it's yep. the only chance you're going to get to hear that tune. But it's going back to the last podcast. Like, yeah. I told you about Sue Allen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, like, Sue Allen, like, literally from like, Saturday night, 8 o'clock, mm. uh, like, Mark Radcliffe used to have the indie show um, before Stu Allen on mm. Q103 in Manchester. And he'd do 8 till 12. And, I mean, I was fortunate enough, I had uh, MTV mm -hmm. when I grew up because uh, my dad bought... Um, my, my, my dad was a, a, a hairdresser 
and uh, he bought a dodgy skybox from mm. one of his customers and brought it home. And I got MTV, and we used to have MTV Party Zone as mm. well. And like, but they were the only windows you actually had, and they, you had eight or eight state on a Tuesday from ten until two in the morning. Yeah. And like I said, you know, growing up with that kind of thing, and in London it was a bit more advanced. I mean, you used to have a, a guy called Steve Walsh who. Yeah. Fantastic broadcaster, sadly died in Ibiza in, I think, 1990, mm -hmm. who would play a lot of soul, but he'd play house music as well. And But, you know, it, it was so difficult back in the day. Mm. You were saying about a uh, dodgy fork there. I remember getting um, cabling for the first time, like yeah. pre-Sky. Pre yeah. And I remember it used to go down to the pub, the well, um, when, I, when I lived in um, Scotland. Yeah. And it'd be like, you could get you anything 40 yeah. quid. And it's like, there's a, there's, a, there's a Kevin Bridges joke about it. And I remember watching it in like, when it, when Kevin Bridges brought it out in like 2008, 2009, whatever. And it's like, anything 40 quid. And I'm like, he knows the guy I know. He could, he could get you like, do you know what I mean? He could get you anything for 40 quid. <laughs> We used to have a guy called Jock, right? right? When I used to work at Soundbase, we had a guy called Jock. And um, he used to come in every single Sunday morning when I used to work. He said, what do you want for Sunday dinner? And he'd go and nick me a joint of beef from Max Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> and then I didn't see him for three months. He said, oh, I've been away. Yeah, that joint of beef, <laughs> that joint of beef cost me three months. But yeah, I remember... Um, I remember my stepdad coming with this this box and like obviously I knew what a skybox was like because you yeah. seen it in the adverts and stuff but I'd never seen a cable box before and I was like oh, what's this and he plugged it in we had Sky One and, and all this and, and whatnot. It, it was mad actually like with, with MTV like to eventually I went on to work for MTV mm. um, but it was mad actually growing up you know, with that and that that was always my my sort of like dream it was always like mtv blew my fucking mind it's mm -hmm. like like dance music videos yeah right the way through and like it absolutely blew my mind it, um, it's it's it was a revolution of its time because like it went from like rare music where it was a bit underground like yeah. you could get stuff in say hmv and you could get like yeah. it was it was on a bigger scale like with the bigger record labels but when the video element came into it there was like this, this, this higher ups putting money into yeah. this to make the visuals and 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 I, mean, bl I think bl bloody hell, it's expensive to make a music video. Oh yeah. I mean, I remember um, you get what you give. We've still not made our money back from. It's on the wall there. Mm. We've still not made our money back from that record because our video actually cost us twenty five thousand pounds, mm. and that record. Um, I could go heavily into the record industry here, um, but I, I could safely say um, the corruption in the music industry, yeah. that would have been a number one. Do you reckon? Yeah. Um, um, and we've got, I would say, a ridiculous amount of unsold copies due to the corruption and I'm not going to mention two names <laughs> Simon Cowell mm. um, Jonathan King mm. uh, and it's like you know it, it's that's the way the industry actually is yeah and unfortunately that's how it actually was at the time mm -hmm. so do you want to talk on that a little bit if that's alright like yeah. so so when when uh, it came around you you did you write a record and you, there was no record deal in place or you didn't, you didn't have any connections at, right. this, at this point when you did With, that? You get what you give. What yeah. happened, right? Uh, me and Cy Edwards are in with Lee Monteverdi mm -hmm. all around the world. 
And um, so you had the connection. To yeah, it, we'd done yeah. Little Bird. Yeah, right. And we needed a, a follow up to because Little Bird was actually tipped as a as a number one. Yeah, even though it didn't even fully get to a release date. It was only a white label, wasn't it? Yeah. No, no, no. It's uh, it, believe it or not, it's actually behind you on Clubland Six. It's on a Clubland Six. I'll look in a minute. Album. <laughs> but uh, that was tipped as yeah. being a number one, and it turned out it wasn't. Did he get a single release, though? No. Uh, he got um, Alex K remixed it. Yeah. Uh, and it came out initially, like, like later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't anywhere near what they did. And part of it was down to the publishing um, issues with Annie Lennox mm. and. Um, <sighs> Again, I've got to legally choose my words yeah. here, and another artist okay. who wanted um, a course. little bit more of the cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, well, like what you get if you sample two artists, right? The problem is if you sample two artists together, right? You've got um, they've got to meet fifty-fifty on the publishing, yeah. but you've got to take your. A little as well. bit as well, yeah, yeah. The problem is, like, one artist will say, I want 100%, and the other will say 100%. And that's sort of what happens when you sample two artists. Um, yeah. Lesson like, learned, though, eh? And, that, <laughs> and publishing is where you make your money. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so going back to that, you get what you give. What happened, right? We're, we're sat there, trying to follow it up. Tried loads of ideas. And my all-time favourite record is You Get What You Give by the New Radicals. And I've always had this idea to house it up Mm. and we started working on it. Sounds great. Turned it out and and it's a... Again, sorry, I'm trying to choose my words Mm. without getting sued (laughs) in this interview. It's all right, if you want to skip over it, we can Uh, skip over it. No, it's fine. What what happens, right, we we do this, you get what you get, we Mm. we sample the original New Radicals track, Mm -hmm. and what we do is we bounce it down, it sounds absolutely amazing, love it, and we go for clearance. And what happens in the music industry is if you've got a massive track that could potentially go to number one, mm. you have lobbyists who are very close to very well-known people at the top. Mm-hmm. And you, you give them a bung. I've got to be really careful mm. with what I'm saying here. You give them a bung and you bung certain people and... What essentially happens is Pete Tong opens the essential selection mm. with our track. You get what you give, yeah. right? Twice, right? Excellent. Two weeks running, right? And that's that an absolute dream come true. To the essential selection was the the, the absolute soundtrack. To, oh, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, and basically they open it up, and what happens is um, we get a lawsuit. For five million dollars, wow! From Greg Alexander, who is the lead singer of the New Radicals, right? For emotional distress of sampling his record. Wow! I've never heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what happens, right? We we get that lawsuit. It's not our lawsuit personally. It's mm-hmm. the label's yeah, lawsuit. Yeah. 
and we go through an 18 month battle to actually get this track released um, does, it, I mean, does it burn the hype on the track though at the same time uh, well I'll tell you something now right it was on Napster right uh, within what there's a rip on Napster within what a few hours of um, the actual track being played on Pete Tong's show. Yeah. No idea where that came from, but I would say that was probably like a, a label, yeah, sort of like it. technique of, of, of actually building the hype. Yeah, uh, we get that lawsuit and we end up shelving it. And then yeah. next thing I know, uh, I get a phone call. Um, we've managed to clear it, but we're redoing it with Rachel McFarlane. Right. On vocals and I right Rachel didn't come to the studio like I said they, they tried actually a few different vocals on it and Rachel McFarlane re-sings it um, and they pressed up a ridiculous amount of copies expecting mm -hmm. a number one goes in at number 30 in the charts the week it goes in at number 30 we, we actually find out Greg Alexander has no legal right to actually sue us and we could have actually released the original at the time Great. And it's, just eighteen months too late, though, isn't it? It, yeah. it, it, it robbed me of a, a, yeah. a, a, like a number one mate, yeah. and I, I fucking feel so aggrieved to Greg Alexander. I, I, I just think he's a, yeah. you know. So anyway, but he also wrote uh, "When You Say Nothing at All" by Ronan Keating, which I, <laughs> I ate him more for. So <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, so we touched on the, the radio thing as well. I want to get into that. So where did the radio journey start for you? Oh, bloody hell. I started out on radio. By the way, before you go into this, I just want to say something. He's a very good talker, so you can understand what, that he's been on the radio. Do you know what I mean? You, 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 you are a good talker, so... Come no, I've, I've, I've got serious radio voice. It's yeah. Like, it's Sean Lever, live. <laughs> go on, Absolutely then. live. It's really Blackburn. I love it. So, um, with radio, uh, I started out in radio. I started out at uh, Oldham Hospital Radio. Um, by the way, RIP Dave McGeely, who passed away a couple of weeks ago, who was a big influence, and Nigel Hobson. Yeah. Um, I started out um, there and moved into football journalism for Oldham Athletic. Right. And you can see the, uh, the scarf there. I know you're a big Mary fan, Ridge. mate. I know you're a big fan. Oh, I'm a terrible... <laughs> I'm, I'm a shocking fan. Um, <laughs> bloody hell, put me off football for life. Uh, but, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm an Oldham fan. Uh, I've worked for Oldham for, what, probably about 10 years. Yeah. But off and on, what what sprung from there and the... the it sort of opened opportunities for me to go and work elsewhere and I started working for Jazz FM in Manchester. Right. Um, started working there. And then I went to university in Warrington and I got work experience at Galaxy 102 Excellent. in Manchester. And a guy called Simon Ritchie took me under his wing and started working on the Adam Cole breakfast show. Yeah. And it all sort of sprung from there, really. And I like started working on the production side. And I got to work with the Dream Team and Graham Park, um, work with Tim Lennox. I worked with Mike Anthony. Um, also got to mention Dan Hartley, who was a, a like taught me actual production, mm. audio production. Um, God, uh, bloody hell! I've worked with so many like big names in in radio. 
at time and like I, I still carry on occasionally in freelance you know work with people I've worked with I've actually worked with Tony Blackburn mm. uh, Tony Blackburn <laughs> uh, I've actually worked with Tony Blackburn uh, and it's you know it's one of those things like and, and like I'd always sort of like stayed in what what I used to do is I would DJ in bars and I'd finish at 11 and I'd go and do the specialist yeah, musics you know like that the, the went through and like people like Mark XTC and uh, the like the intellect Marcus Intellects yeah. and the Slamming Boys I'd go and like finish my my set there and drive down to Portland Street in, in Manchester and I'd, I'd go and produce these radio shows and Excellent. you know and, and literally I'd just like I wouldn't even sleep you know what I mean I'd just go right the way through um, and eventually it got to a point where I started making... I was on the Graham Park show. And Graham doesn't need a producer. Mm-hmm. Like, Parky doesn't need a producer whatsoever. And he used to say to me, like, um, Sean, just put me on air and then do what you want until two hours later and, like, we'll, we'll, we'll go into the next show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember being in the back room and I was playing about... I've got a Head Candy CD through with uh, the CD single of... Um, before it had been signed, Flawless by the ones mm-hmm. and like Graham had just played it and then I was playing about with a, a piece of software called Sadie um, which is kind of like a music editing yeah, piece of software from years ago that I, I was really well trained on and I remember like doing a bootleg of Madonna the uh, Madonna music right. with the ones flawless whacked it out and then Played it to my program director, who at the time I think was, oh, would have been Sam Sniper, who's a legendary French radio producer. Mm-hmm. Um, did uh, basically won awards for Fun FM and everything. He came to to be our director. He said, "Ah, uh, bad French impression here. <laughs> ah, let's do bootleg of the week." Yeah, I sound Welsh then. <laughs> <laughs> let's do bootleg of the week and then he started like saying to me let's do bootleg of the week and before I know it it's like let's do like bootleg mix let's do Friday night mix and I started working with a guy called Steve Denyer who's Mm. actually doing quite a lot of podcasts at the moment and then we we started went on to his show and and it came from there and that it got to a point like we were just about to release you get what you give Mm -hmm. and we we had a change of boss and a guy came in called uh, James Brown and I don't think he thought a lot of me. And he just... I'll tell you what, right? This is the shittest way to sack anybody, right? And he comes in. He says, says to me, will you, will you come in and see me? Came in and said, all it is, Sean, uh, we're sacking you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's black and white. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the fucking shittest way to yeah. actually get rid of... Anyway, got rid of me. And I thought, do you know what? Leave radio. And I started... Left it about two three years started doing podcasts how uh, many how many um hours were you doing at this radio station at the time right um technically paid right obviously you do more right, don't you? paid yeah, yeah, yeah. technically for eight hours on minimum wage yeah working 35 hours yeah um but kind of off my own back to an extent because i just wanted to use their equipment because i couldn't afford yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I was using their equipment. Um, and I just I used to come in at what eight o'clock at night when the basically it, Galaxy would go into the network stage mm-hmm. where it was all done from I think Leeds, right? 
and you like I said you, you get like Jay Smith doing his sort of like network show or whatever and I thought I've got a PC there that I can't afford so come in and do it and I started knocking out bootleg after bootleg after bootleg mm. and strip babies and um, I've missed it I've, I've actually skipped a stage which is the station I set up which is Extreme FM yeah and also the pirate I set up called Extreme FM yeah which led me to a guy called Cy Edwards mm-hmm. and we started trip babies together yeah and um, we started knocking out bootlegs. I mean, we we did five Trip Babies bootlegs, uh, which are on the wall behind you, actually. Um, which, hang on one second. Just pull them out. We've got, I mean, the first one we did... Let's get them all out here. We've done... Like, that's Madonna and the Ones, Music and Flawless. Yeah, but, that's well, the one you were talking about before, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got... Um, Catch a Fantasy, which is Baby D mixed with Lonnie Gordon and mm. Sunday Sunshine, I think it's Sunshine Anderson and Sunday Shouted, I think it's called. Mm. Uh, and then we've, we've done two EPs, that's like the Peace and Harmony EP with um, Such a Good Time, which mm. is a, a massive niche track. Loads, we did loads of these EPs. I've, I've, I've got a couple of them, you know. Yeah. Um, thank you. The they were very different of the time. Um, I know there was a lot of bootleggers around. Yeah. But um, there were always, as I say, you, I've always said about this, about you, it's always obscure records. Do you know what I mean? There wasn't many people doing Madonna, the music. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Just for, just for instance. But you, you've had the sort of perfect setup for... I could play this on the radio, and if if you get people requesting, see yeah. what it is, you know whether it's going to be a hit or not almost yeah. instantly. Well, straight away, right? Some some put uh, music is flawless on mm. the Galaxy playlist. Um, I remember my mate Russ from Vinyl Exchange in Manchester, mm-hmm. uh, Russ Marland, um, said to me, he said, "Is it you?" I remember going downstairs like buying records, and he said, "Is it you that's done that music and?" flawless like I said yeah we're getting about 30 requests a day for it yeah. in here i said it's actually gone to press uh, i think we sold um i think eight thousand copies not bad is it um so we've done really really well off that mm. and it's mad at the time um you know during the day to actually subsidize me working and, and doing this i was working erecting fencing mm-hmm um basically for for a contractor um that was doing fencing for um old folks homes all oh, right i see what you mean like retirement yeah. homes uh yeah. and literally i was just knackered i was like doing that and then try to like balance my life with my girlfriend at the time and mm. and then you know going in galaxy and, and like, literally waking up having like three hours sleep and, and going back in mm. so it's bloody it was out of work at the time but anyway going back to that um uh, like also at the time, I had a, a pirate radio station called Extreme FM yep. in 1995, which we ran from a tower block in Werneth in Oldham, mm-hmm. uh, which we diverted to a place in Alt um, to avoid the DTI. We used to run that on Sundays and we eventually did Extreme FM legally, which was the biggest money losing operation I've ever had in my life. Um <laughs> And we all ended up falling out. We pulled the station in ten days, yeah. going legally, because uh, we ran out of money. So it's you have to um, you have to have a lot of things in place before you you run a legal. It's, thing. it's just absolutely. with sponsors and, and the thing is, you've got to bear in mind I'm twenty two at the time. 
Hmm. Do you know what I mean? And and like I said, everything's pie in the sky at twenty two. Maybe a bit naive, isn't it? That's what yeah. it is, yeah. No, absolutely. But I'm, I'm, I was working with with three, well, two people um, that were ridiculously up on radio, and I thought we could. I actually thought we could do it, uh, mm-hmm. and we we didn't. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a rule breaker. Do you know what I mean? But they wanted to do ab- absolutely everything by the book, mm-hmm. and it just it just didn't work. In but the what end. it costs to run it, it the, the running costs uh, just to, just to even be on air. Is, is, yeah, it's, it, it's it costs you. I think uh, works out probably about thirty pound a minute just to actually have a local mm-hmm. uh, radio like station, yeah, yeah, yeah. like like Revolution in Oldham. I yeah. think it's about thirty pound a minute. Yeah, if you work that out, like if you're getting yeah. putting ads and that on, you don't because you don't want to balance them. You don't want too yeah. many ads because people just tune out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But anyway, from 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 Galaxy, um, like I said, I, I, I sort of like called it a day. I, I started doing a, a podcast called Saturday Night Lever mm-hmm. uh, on uh, SoundCloud when that kind of first worked out before like the copyright sort of thing came mm-hmm. in. And from that, I I, um, I got a phone call one day from uh, a mate of mine called John Besson. Right randomly and like i didn't really know john that well yeah he just said uh right how do you fancy a saturday afternoon show on unity radio 96.2 uh, rmb on that yeah. actually yeah yeah and i took took it i thought fuck it you know go for it started doing like an hour and a half's worth of um sort of like dance and anthems and things like that yeah. expands to like three hours you're on drive time as well weren't yeah. you? yeah well from that mm. i got get asked to cover drive time and then um the drive time presenter just didn't come back. <laughs> uh, so I ended up doing that for, for five years and yeah. I, I had a brilliant time. I, I, I ended up like bloody interviewing the likes of Jax Jones. I was the first mm. person to interview Stormzy. Mm. Um, bloody, you know, I had Kid Inc. come mm. into the studio, people like that. Um, you know, like the Zach Abel came in. We had bloody all sorts uh, of, of people that I'd interview. Really? Like every single week, be like, Shit, shit, it's Duke Devon today. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, the, the only thing I will say is um, the controversial Jack Jones interview um, in which, again, I've got to be very careful in choosing my words here, mysteriously went missing. Right. Mysteriously. Oh, we forgot to press record, which, oh, okay. you know. Uh, and there's, an, there's a question in there and it would, it's controversial. Okay, you can tell me off air. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't mind. Um, so yeah, you were doing the Unity thing. I think that's when I I first sort of um, maybe met you. I think possibly. Mm. Um, when yep. was that? Like two thousand. What, what year did you start doing that? Uh, oh, would have been. I started at Unity. Um, would have been when um, I remember. Like my first show would have been probably about two thousand and twelve. Right, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And then I probably left about 2018 because I got to a point where I just thought radio's kind of like dying out and I want to mm-hmm. go and move into something else. And mm-hmm. yeah. I think nowadays, I think you are better betting on yourself rather yeah. than sort of do your own show with your own curated audience and just mm-hmm. put it out online. You probably yeah. get more viewers who are willing to listen to you for who you are than yeah. just a passive Radio. I, I, I think I think radio actually needs to radio at the moment is, is going back to where it's actual logical conclusion, which is to be more. And again, going back to like something my dad always said to me, which is like my dad's a, a barber, hmm. um, sorry, a retired hairdresser, and he said, 
you know, for, for me, radio is only for the likes of me and taxi drivers and, you know, who, who literally can't view something. Yeah. Uh, and it's down to, to people, at the, you know, for background music and, and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I think radio's kind of down. I think it's all about the visual thing, which is why I actually got into visual DJing, which didn't really work out for me. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I thought at least give it a go and do something different and unique. You would not believe, right, this is a thing because you were saying about talk, starting a podcast stuff. do not start a podcast with just audio it, like really? I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. sure about doing the, the video thing uh, for me I, I don't like being on camera so this is this is we got to episode 6 and the amount of people going just video it would be better if we can see you have the conversation and I'm like you want to sit you want to sit in your house and watch somebody sit and talk to somebody else right that's fair enough okay and do you know the viewership went right up I, I don't know what the logic is behind it, whether it is a visual thing or what, right. I don't know. Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you something now that, that, that kind of reinforces that point. Quote, 90% of what we learn is visual. Mm. Who do you reckon came up with that quote? It'd be someone on TV, surely. Walt Disney. <laughs> right, yeah, I can yeah. imagine, yeah, probably. Walt Disney <laughs> came up with that quote, and, and it's, I, I think it's absolutely true. It is, but then I because I watch a lot of podcasts and that myself. I don't if like on the way down. I was listening to um, Joe Rogan's latest podcast and I had it on. I'm not. I'm not wanting to look at what what he's doing while he's doing it. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm, I'm listening to it audibly. But yeah. Obviously, some people prefer the visual aspect of it. In, in all honesty, right? I can put on a record like um, Hard Floor, ac mm -hmm. you know, Acid Experience, right? Yeah. And I can put that on a turntable, whack it up loud. I can shut my eyes and I can physically, like, I can see the pictures. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not, that's not for everyone. Do you know what I mean? And, like, that's only because, I've, like I said, music's my entire life and, and always will be my life. Do you know what I mean? For, for some people, like I said, music is consumed in so many different yeah. ways and there's nothing wrong or right about how anybody consumes their, their music. Sorry, my brain's gone like yeah. mental. I need to ask you this question. Yeah, uh, so I've seen someone. This is this is a factor I read the other day, and it's sort it's sort of relatable, but sort of off subject. Have you got an inner monologue? A what? Sorry, an inner monologue. So, have you got a voice in your head that when you when you when you think? Oh, old time. Uh, have you got it? Sometimes. Right. No, I, I I get to a point where where I actually like the inner monologue. Uh, I'll, I'll speak yeah. out loud. Yeah, yeah, the, exactly. So yeah. I, I'm like that, right? I, I read a fact the other day that um, seventy percent of people don't have an inner monologue, right? I know you're talking about when you were saying you close your eyes and you can picture stuff like yeah. that. I can't picture like when I I was walking down here. I told you I parked yeah. up the hill. I was walking down here. I was I was thinking to myself certain or um, things I need to do by the end of the day, sort of thing. And another monologue was talking to himself. And I think there's people seventy percent of the people walk around here, right? And they don't, there's not that voice isn't in their head. Yeah. I have, what are they doing with their spare time when they're walking do you know what I mean yeah. it's bizarre but it's like when you were saying about when you mm -hmm. close your eyes and you, when I when I listen to a tune I, you can put a, a tune on a tune on, I, can, I can picture colours I can picture yeah. um, well it's a brilliant visuals and like I said I love that and I mean I, I remember an interview years and years ago where, um, and I think it was Alex Pepper who did the interview with Brian Tranzo yeah. like BT and Tori Amos uh, when they were working together, and Tor I remember Tori Amos, and I remember like, I've got this, I've actually got this interview on a CD, right? Because it meant, and Tori Amos was was saying, when I hear music, I see colour. Yeah, uh, sense. You know what I mean, and like I said, I see colour in in music, and it's funny actually because again, I, I can't go into this because it's uh, 
something that that's long and short basically it's something that a friend of mine is now actually working on mm. that obviously is copywritten and like yeah, yeah, told yeah, me about yeah. in, in confidence but basically it's um you know like i said when when you you know everything is in color you know what i mean your, your mind everything your thoughts are in color but i i can never switch off i mm. I, I find it very very hard to switch I'm off the same i'm the same I've 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 uh, heard another quote that was someone was saying as well. It, it could have been in the same thing about the inner monologue thing. When I was reading about it. Apparently, they say that like music is so you you walk through through life in black and white, right? It's not yeah. not physically, but it, your life be bland, and then you have music playing. And it adds a color to your life. So yeah. Does that make sense? It's so like, life, yeah. But they say that with, with religions and stuff like that. Why do you think when you go to say like a church or, or like a, say like like a, like a gospel like church or even even in other religions like uh, Sikhs and, and Muslims and and anything, there's a, a big core of what religion is is to do with music and it's quite it's quite um, focused on the sound and the audio and I, th I find that fascinating because that's quite tribal I think. Like in 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 the long 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 and short of things, do you know what I mean? It's mm. I, I mean like the, the, I mean you say that as well. It's it's like I wonder why we naturally fall into a four four pattern. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like so naturally we all fall into a four four pattern. Is that something that's come from like the evolution of, of us like being in caves? Mm. Um, is that something that's, that's mathematically sort of like imprinted on our our sort of like brains to mm. like do 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 do. Do, do, mm. do, do. You know what I mean? Or is, you know what I mean? Like, like, is that conditioned by culture over. Possibly. You know, it's it, it's something I don't think we'll ever sort of work out. Yeah. I always remember, like, there's, there's a brilliant sketch. Um, I'm a big comedy fan. Yeah. A brilliant comedy, sketch though. by um, the Mighty Boosh. I'm yeah. not a massive fan of Mighty Boosh. It had its day, yeah. But, but as far as it goes. there's this thing, and it's like um, I can't remember the episode, but it's uh, it's very good actually. And they they do this little sketch where they're a pop band, and they start off um, as like this electro synth thing, mm. and then they flip into this um, like like 16th century fucking loot right. like playing loops and the the, the quote uh, Noel Fielding comes out with is is, is something like uh, bringing retro to its logical conclusion <laughs> I, just, I always love that line I like that absolutely brilliant I love that I love that um, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions if that's alright yeah. now this is just from um, some of the viewers and then we've got a couple of uh, little mini games to play as well if that's alright um Right, this this one come in, and I just thought if you know somebody, it's going to be you who knows it. So, um, what is the maddest nickname you've ever came across in the clubbing scene? And that's from Sam Moore. DJ Pants. DJ Pants. Yeah, you used to actually DJ in his fucking underpants. <laughs> I like it. Is there any honourable mentions? You are sorry. Any, any honourable mentions? Honourable mentions. But DJ Pants wins it for me. <laughs> I remember DJing in the fucking. <laughs> I remember DJing at a club in Derby, right? Yeah. And the DJ, I basically, I'd be booked to play at a place. Basically, I played at a place called Bedroom in Ashton mm. Line, and they had another bedroom in Derby, mm -hmm. right? There's only two of them. <laughs> There's a guy there, and the DJ was called Flash. Mm. 
I just I said to him, Why are you called Flash? He said, Oh, my real name's Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. There's that. Oh, bloody hell. Um, oh, there's so many. Um, Jane Reaction. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of fun ones. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen loads of them, like uh, SpongeBob Square Dunk. That's, that's one of them. No. Yeah, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen one. Um, uh, a duo this this is really bad actually uh, a duo from I believe they're from like the Bristol area uh, and they they call themselves uh, Fred and Rose West um, no, DJ Fred and Rose you can't and, do that uh, I, I bet they played Crowded House didn't they <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I believe uh, and this is another thing I believe the player they're like they're in with like drummer bass DJs um, but I'm, I'm sure the player like donk at like 170 they're just really pitched up donk and that's that's their their thing. Fucking hell, so it's like like like, like <laughs> Makina times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's Makina not plus eight. It's not my like, type of fucking thing. Fucking hell. Yeah. Um brilliant. I wanna do some word association with you as well. Right. So what it is, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say for We do Timmy and Alec. Uh, yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. Back a day. Um I didn't I didn't get it from there though. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna read these words to you and you right. just tell me the first word that comes to that comes to your mind, okay? So this is um word association. Boy Raver. Can we start again? <laughs> Go then, boy river. Me. Uh, LMC. Me. <laughs> Vinyl. Me. Oh, come on, you've got to play the game. Um, Northern Rave Scene. Me. <laughs> it's all to do with you, mate. Bedroom. Me. Right. <laughs> this is the worst game ever. Uh, Bowls. Me. Okay. <laughs> Manchester. Me. Oh. <laughs> Production. Me. Okay, right, there we go. That's that, that's that section for this week over. <laughs> but you fucking asked me something when I don't say me. Yeah, that was, that was the, the whole point yeah. of it is. I just wanted to get an expansion on, on, on you, so to say. Right, uh, this is a question. What's one pet peeve you have in the music industry? Uh, cunts. Yeah, any, re- any particular reason? Do I need to give one? Um, it's my, my pet peeve so, Dealing is, with arseholes. Right, my pet peeve really is in the music industry I kind of don't really have that many um, but the one thing that I find really irritating more than anything is rehashing um, this is going to sound very contradictory Mm. rehashing 90s dance tunes with a top line over it that's different to the original and like basically getting a hit from it uh, also as well Joe Corey uh, yes I would get into that we'll get into that we'll get into that, we'll get into that. right so about what was it about five weeks ago would you say five six weeks ago was it what Joe Corey no the, well it's when you put it out online that I'd, I'd say I'd read about it like Big Ange was the person yeah. that stuck up for me it was yeah. probably about two months ago ah, yeah, maybe yeah, a bit okay. longer it was probably about three months ago now wow time travels but, uh, but yeah I, I released a track called Party All Night yeah um, what would have been about 18 months ago yeah Party All Night um, kind of went under the radar which mm-hmm. most boy over stuff does mm-hmm. um, and then me and Andy were working on a track called um, "Houses of Feeling." Mm-hmm. It's Northern Rave scene, uh, and Andy lives right behind the studio. We're, we're there in his kitchen, the disco kitchen, mm. and we we 
Actually, no, we were remixing Hands On Me for Kimberly Miles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which we've we done that. And we thought, spoke to Mickey Williams, uh, Echo, who runs Criminal Records. And like I said, Mickey's an, an old mate of mine. I've, I've mixed packs for, for, for him before. And like I said, I want something that they might play on Capital. And I don't listen to Capital. Mm-hmm. And I thought, randomly, like me and Andy, let's just have a listen to what they're actually playing on the, their playlist. And I just, I looked at it, I thought, Joe Corey, uh, yeah, listen to that, see see what he's doing. Played it, and um, literally, my uh, this is the, the expression on my face. So had Andy had heard your version yet or not? Because he, he didn't know what was going on, or...? Um, Andy knew nothing about it. Okay. Right? And then... I was just there. I literally... I, I could have punched the wall. Right. I could have punched the wall. Um, so for those who don't know, do you just want to explain it? That's okay. Yeah, basically, all night. Um, basically, Joe Coy's track drinking. Uh, I firmly believe... In fact, I, I might... To be fair, he can't sue me for anything because mm-hmm. I've got nothing. Mm-hmm. So, do you know what I mean? I might as well just be frank. And to, to be fair, I've had uh, a few people in the industry that work with that label tell me exactly it was directly lifted from my version. Okay, okay. Uh, and basically what I've done, I sampled Chance the Rapper all night. Yeah. Um, knocked it out as like a, a bit of a... Sort of like what, what we would call in the old school a white label yeah but obviously now digitally like, on yeah, bank yeah. camp um and long as you i've had a few people in the industry say basically yes that was completely lifted from your track it's the same baseline everything isn't it yeah, abs- yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. everything piano baseline yeah. absolutely the whole concept uh if you a b the two tracks are in the same key absolutely yeah. everything um and i just thought you fucking cunt yeah i'm um, sorry for the language but do you yeah, know what I mean? That's right. But um, I don't know if he produces his own stuff, and I don't know much uh, about I, I, him. I, I doubt he can fucking hit middle C on a fucking keyboard. <laughs> with you. Right, but um, I don't know whether he's heard the track. And oh no, I, I, I actually got a message from Joe Corey directly. Right, okay, okay. So, what well, and he said he'd heard your track. No, he said oh. uh, he he tried to he, he actually started the track uh, two months before I'd done mine. Oh. Um, which is bullshit. Okay. Right. Absolute fucking bullshit. Yeah. Um, the guy's full of shit. Right, um, okay. And he, if you look at, like, he's gone down the legal route of actually doing it, mm-hmm. which in some some people might say that's fair game. For me, I just think it's a fucking cunt. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that. It's, it's your art, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's your art. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be very passionate about it as well. Well, to, to be honest with you, if, if he wants to fucking go on ripping other people's ideas off and, and just getting off on, on doing that and living like the higher life and you know doing what he's doing and and good luck to him you know what I mean if he can sleep at night fair enough mm-hmm. uh, for me do you know what I mean I'd rather make my own music and enjoy making music and carry on making music until I fucking kick the bucket mm-hmm. I'd rather actually do that and be proud of the fact I've actually played an instrument and came up with my own idea excellent um, I like that and do you know what I mean? That's it. There's no bit. Of course, I'm bitter. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, honestly. Do you, do you know people like that just fucking make me sick? Mm. Talentless fucking twats. <laughs> uh, I get it. I get it. Hundred <laughs> percent. No, because if you've if you've done a tune and then you you go to like some some 
you you don't accept, like essentially know because you didn't know anything on Capital or like that. And you tune, it's like that's that's my tune. Like you, you're bound yeah. to. I'd be I'd be rubbed up the wrong yeah. way. Absolutely, there's no yeah. question about it. Um, so on the lighter edge, right? <laughs> one thing that makes you uh, get great satisfaction from from the music industry. So I said, what's a pet peeve? What's a what's a great satisfaction? Great satisfaction is just people sharing my music, mm. sending me nice messages, which you know I, I, I get all the time, and I always reply to, mm. just saying thank you. I, I keep playing your track. I love it, and and that kind of thing. That's you know I'm not here for the money. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, eventually mm. I will release my fucking album, mm-hmm. which is still like, I think it's been like like five years in the making now, which is uh, Get Poor or Live Trying. <laughs> I like that, you. That, that's eventually going to get dropped at some point. Tell me you're doing it under the earliest 50 pence or something 50, like that. 50, <laughs> <laughs> fucking 50 euro. Yeah. Um, sorry. But it's, uh, like I said, I'm not here for that. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. here for, to to enjoy music, and I've I, like I said I'll live I'll live poor and I'll die poor. Mm. You know what I mean? It doesn't bother me. Mm. It doesn't bother me whatsoever. If I've got a roof over my head and I've got you know a, 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 a hot meal and a recording studio, and uh, and that's all I want. Mm-hmm. So so this is just out my interest, by the way. So I would say, what statistically is your more successful track then? I'm not because I know Kenny. Kenny asked Ooh. at the beginning, saying, "What was your biggest achievement?" But I'm, I just want to know statistically what's maybe had the most players or generated the most money. I don't want to know any figures. I just want to know what what statistically is. Statistically, ooh, right. You've got to measure that on on different on different things, but on as as across the board. I'm saying, ooh, that's a really really good mm. question. I'm not going to go with the obvious answer. Okay, okay. I would say... See, I've got to factor in, like, tracks that I've played on as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm I'm either credited or or not credited. Uh, I've got to go with bootlegs, everything. um, Bloody hell. Like, basically, like, you're asking what's my cash cow. Um, not even that though, because essentially you can you can generate you can generate players and not necessarily get paid a great deal for it. Yeah. What I'm saying is, what what is your most successful? Um, I know there's ones that people know you for, for instance, but what is is statistically the one that's that's, that's head and shoulders above the rest? Bloody hell! Um... Bloody hell! I'd say music and flawless. Right, do you reckon? Yeah, uh, yep. Um, I think that's one of the ones when I. Do you know when people say say, say so, someone's name and you'll think, oh, they I link straight away. You'll link them to someone's yep. song or whatever, and then like if if I hear your name, a lot of the time I think of that tune. I yep. don't know why. I just it just I. Um, yep. It's the way my brain works. Whether it's I don't know if you do that yourself. <laughs> do, do, do you know what? It, it, like, so it's weird actually. Like you measure success in different parts of the country as well. Mm. It's like um like. Remember, like uh, I've done the Piano Man and like Boy Rave, a big tasty oh, yeah, his yeah, family, yeah, yeah. massive in Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, Dub Plate Four yeah. is the other one as well. Dub Plate yeah. Four is massive in Yorkshire and Liverpool. It's like, yeah. uh, like I said, I mean, Boy Rave doesn't tend to go south of 
Birmingham. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... I've no, I've noticed that a lot with 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 my track so. So I'm I'm for for those like most of our watchers are within um, the bounce scene. So like you would say like Manchester, Liverpool, um, it goes far across as maybe Halifax, yeah. and then in the northeast and then the northwest where <laughs> I'm from, right. I did I did a tune with John not so long ago, um, and it was um, called Far From OK. It's recently new, it only came yeah. out in August. And I noticed that it blew up online with a lot of like people. like So basically, we sampled... Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll just say it in another mind. We sampled off a movie, um, and it says, I'm, far, I'm pretty far from OK. But somebody's seen it, got it, and uh, cut it out, and put that saying, I'm pretty far from OK, and then the drop-in... And then dancing to it on TikTok, and yeah. they're, they're using it as a mental Hon- health. Like, honestly, you get TikTok viral yeah. video. Yeah. You, you, you're laughing. Well, I think it had 1.6 million views last time I checked. Here now. So it's had that right. It's had success, and the label's really happy with it, right? But inside my little bubble of the bounce scene, it doesn't seem to have done much. There's one or two DJs who play it. Yeah. It's weird because outside of the bubble, a lot of people know that tune. It's, it's like you were saying in certain areas you get certain success yeah. you're free as family tune you're saying it's big in Liverpool but you might play it in another city close by and everyone's like I've, I've played it in Manchester it, it, yeah. literally it, hate it yeah. absolutely hate it uh, play it round here absolutely mm. hate it uh, mm. Liverpool massive but I think a lot of that's down to Lee Butler yeah. hammering it and uh, he, played dub, it, he played it a lot on the radio hasn't he Dub Plate 4 I know for a fact Dub Plate 4 is probably actually the 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 proper answer to mm. the original question because I know Anton Powers plays it I know Lee Butler hammers it um, but I, they, they, they never refer to it as dub plate four they always call it like a right and hot or something or mm. and, it's a, and they keep calling me the boy raver uh, I'm not I'm Boy River <laughs> or Sean you Excellent. know what I mean but it's, uh, dub plate four is actually probably I mean besides cheeky tracks mm. but as well on the hard dance scene um, Digital Mafia Digital, Digital Mafia's yeah, yeah, yeah. mix I've done, I've done a fair bit as well. Yeah. That, did, that, did, that did really well. I, I, I absolutely love Cheeky Tracks. I think they're one yeah. of my favourite labels. I mean, my, my track, Res Cowgirl, yeah. um, came out on like a... Is that 2014? About, about, no, yeah. it's, a bit late, it's quite recent, about was three it? years ago. It's me on vocals as well on that. Oh, I didn't know that. Like, yeah, it's me. I thought that vocals. was early, well earlier than that for some reason. Yeah, it's sure Res, right. Res Cowgirl. I think probably made it about 2017, I think. Right. I think they released it about 2019. Right. So. Um, I must uh, give, give a massive shout to Dave at Cheeky Tracks because I think he is one of um, very few in the bounce scene who's running things legitimately it's yeah. a business it's it's not just somebody just putting a record out for the sake of it he's getting behind it he's promoting it he's he's doing a lot for the bouncing getting it heard on a bigger scale he's uh he's, he's i, I love guy. dave gray say what i like most about dave gray is he changes the boundaries of what is hard done like said bounce yeah like said it's not even hard dance you know what i mean at times yeah he can put out like a like a really up-tempo funky house tune yeah and then he can put out something that's like bloody 170 bpm yeah do you know what i mean but that's the essence of of cheeky tracks and i mean that's i'm so glad that signed cheeky tracks at at one point so i'm still with dave you know i mean i I often throw i mean me me and dave have got this bloody um in joke which eventually will probably happen, which is I'm going to do a trans version of the theme to El Dorado. Right. Uh, yeah. Which we've, we've had this in-joke for bloody years now. And he'll release that as well. <laughs> yes, he, <laughs> yeah, he will yeah, do. Yeah. No, he will do. As yeah. soon as I turn it in, he, he actually will do. Yeah, so. I know he will. Um, last time you were on, did you do Throwback Attack? 
Say it again. Did you do the throwback attack? No, what's the throwback okay. attack? Throwback attack. I'm going to read a sentence to you. You just tell me the first thing that comes to your head. Is that yeah. alright? So, this is throwback attack. Here we go. What song do you think of when you think back to primary school? Frankie goes to Hollywood two times. Nice. But the 12-inch extended mix is really good on that. Yeah. Well, it's down to American football. Mm. I was into uh, American football and they used to use the instrumental. What What team? Uh, San Francisco 49ers okay okay um, what song do you think of when you think back to secondary school oh uh, people hold on by cold cup mm, okay uh, what song do you think of when you think to getting your first set of decks <sighs> don't worry I'm going to ask you the questions when we're off air yeah. <laughs> First set of decks. Um, it's actually a record uh, by, and I bought it on the same day as a, like I got my first set of decks. Yep. It's a happy hardcore record, and I can't remember the bloody name of it, uh, but it's called Stormtrooper, uh, and it samples... Um, Straight to my heart sometimes. Da, 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 da. I can't. I can't remember the bloody name of it. It's. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. To be honest with you, it's it's on Stormtrooper Records. It's a happy hardcore record. Right. Okay. I bought it on the same day that I bought my uh, my Soundlab DLP threes. Excellent. What song do, do you think of when you think back to your first days of going out? Uh, real to real. I like to move it. Okay. What song do you think of when you when you think back to your golden era? So what, what, what were you class as your golden Gold near, loving, you're a superstar. Big tune. Uh, and what is your karaoke song? Uh, K-San by Cold Chisel. Okay, okay. <laughs> nice one, nice one. Um, I just want to wrap up today, mate. I think you've, uh, I think we've pulled off a great episode, don't you think? Would you agree? Uh, we've had the highs and the lows and everything like that. And I'll, I will certainly get you back again because I think with the, there's so much you need to dig on as well. Um, I just want to say thank you for coming on. Uh, no problem, it's it's been great. It's been lovely to meet you as well. Um, if you enjoy Sean's stuff, where can they find you online? Uh, basically just Sean Lever mm -hmm. on Facebook just directly yeah. uh, to be fair uh, I don't mind people contacting me on yeah. my phone number yeah. uh, as long as don't ring me <laughs> fucking, yeah. don't fucking ring me at fucking four o'clock in the fucking morning yeah. that used to actually happen yeah. when I used to have Boyd Records we used to sell tickets for Part Life yeah. that was the worst time of my life right we used to sell Part Life tickets and my, my mobile phone number was sort yeah, of like right. everywhere I used to get phone calls at like fucking four o'clock in the bastard fucking morning. Have you got tickets left for part life? You know what's happened like, there? People have went out, got on the stage, came yeah. home, sitting yeah. in the kitchen. Oh, should, should we go, go part life? life? Should we go part life? <laughs> yeah, and then that's yeah. it. You're, you're yeah. getting called. <laughs> um, to, to be fair, it's not difficult to find my phone number online <laughs> um, because I, it's on the exposure flyers. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So, but honestly, I'm dead approachable. Mm -hmm. uh, and to be honest, if anyone wants to book me in the studio to sort of like do sort of like the boy raver sort of stuff, you yep. are very, very welcome to like, give me a shout. And yep. uh, I'll, I'll give my rate straight away, which is one twenty for a six-hour day mm -hmm. uh, down here, and I'm quite happy to do that. I'm also looking for musicians to actually start an indie label because yeah, I really excellent. really would like to do that off my own back and that is obviously non-chargeable it's just I'd like so, to sign indie bands right so what I'm going to ask is this before we shut off today then um if you are doing it like this because obviously there's a min there's millions of people out there who want to try and 
do this sort of thing. Are you going legit? Are you going to give them um, a sort of work with me for this? We'll do an album together or whatever. Yeah, and, and there's a proper deal getting written down, or because there is there it's, is many people. It's going to be exactly the same way that Anthony H. Wilson mm. did Factory Records. It's going to be a verbal agreement, mm-hmm. but um, that. If you watch this interview, you'll know I'm not doing any of this for... Oh, I get profit. that, yeah, yeah. I've just that. got to make a living. Yeah, as long yeah. as I make a living, that's absolutely fine. That's I, I will write any contracts in my own blood, just as <laughs> Tony Wilson <laughs> actually did. So, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we're, we're kind of like, um, you know what I mean? I, I want to start something that's very similar to what Mar- Martin Hannett mm. and Tony Wilson and Alan like Erasmus... Um, started with Factory want to do something very very different maybe potentially vinyl 7 inch vinyl releases and excellent I like but it but just experimental guitar music and mm. I'm happy to sit here engineer discover musicians create new music mm-hmm. make records that, that change people's lives excellent I like it I love it so uh, I just want to say thank you for watching if you've enjoyed it and you've made it this far into the episode share it with your mates because you've obviously enjoyed it if you've sat here for X amount of hours listening yeah. to us chat. Absolute try. So, yeah, thanks. Nice. nice one. Nice one. Cheers, guys.